How's everybody doing? Everybody good? You look good? This is the week before spring break. I know, I know you're excited. Uh, I, always, I always, honestly, I always dread this week a little bit uh, because you guys are so done. Like, you're, you're a million miles from here right now. Uh, you're a million miles from this campus, uh, and so am I. So let's just all be a million miles away together. Um, anyway, no, I'm seriously glad you came out. I know you got like a million things going on. You could be at a million other places, but you're with us, and so I'm glad you're here. Hey, welcome to RUF. Uh, my name's Brian Thomas. I'm the campus minister. Um, my wife says hello. She could be here tonight. And my kids, they say hello as well. They, you're their friends. They talk about their friends all the time. They cry when you are hanging out and leave. It's really, it's, it's cute. It's cute. It's cute stuff. Um, hey, if this is your first time with us, RUF is a campus ministry for Western Carolina. Uh, it's a national campus ministry. If this is the first time you've ever heard of it in your life, there's like 145 or so RUFs across the nation. Uh, and so anyway, welcome. Glad you're here. Um, and if you are a Christian and you are excited about growing in your faith, this is a really great place for you. Uh, if you're here and you really don't know what in the world you believe um, and some friend convinced you to come, thank that friend. They're nice. They're a good friend. Um, but also, I'm really glad you're here. It's okay. Relax. Be comfortable. Um, uh, I hope you find this to be a sweet place of fellowship. And, uh, and it's a great place to explore the truth claims of Christianity. It's a safe place to do that. And so welcome. What we do on Wednesday nights is we open the Bible and we look at some book of the Bible or some section of some book of the Bible. And this semester we've been looking at the story of Abraham. Abraham is a guy in the Old Testament. Uh, and so we've been looking in Genesis. And that's where we're going to be tonight. Genesis 21. So if you want to, if you got a Bible, you want to get there, great. If not, there's a passage printed in every seat. Uh, for you, um, so you can follow along. Uh, Abraham's an interesting guy. He is one of the most significant characters in the Bible, and so you may be wondering, like, why in the world are we talking about Abraham? There's really three reasons. I say this, I think, mostly every week, uh, and so hopefully you'll get it down. But we're doing this for three things. One, I want you, hopefully by the end of the semester, to see that the whole Bible, Old Testament, to the end of the New Testament is one grand story of redemption. Um, and in fact, I'll say this. The, the, the New Testament is the fulfillment of what we hear about in the Old Testament. And so really, it's all God's word. Not one part of it is any better than the other. Um, and then another reason we do this is I want you to see that from the beginning to the end of the Bible, everyone has always been saved, if you want to use that kind of lingo, um, by faith. They've always been saved by faith alone. Uh, and then finally, I want you to see that there's only one hero in the Bible, and it's not Abraham. Uh, it's God. Uh, and so anyway, Genesis 21. Let's do this. We're just going to read the first seven verses. Um, Sarah is Abraham's wife, just in case you're totally new, Right? These two, the dynamic duo. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. 
Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Let me throw something there. When she's 90, just throw that in there for a little help. Um, Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. So this is the fulfillment of a promise that, if you guys remember the very first week we read about in Genesis 12. And so I'm going to pray and then we'll just, we'll dive in. Uh, God, thank you so much for... Uh, the scripture, thank you so much for the word and speaking to us. Um, Lord, we are a million miles away from you, uh, if we're really honest, many of us. And, uh, and we need you now to, uh, to meet us, to draw us near, uh, to help us see, um, I pray, maybe even see Jesus for the first time. Uh, and so we ask you to do that tonight in his name. Amen. Uh, It was, I'm originally from Alabama, so I'll have a few Alabama stories from time to time for you. And so it was like this beautiful day in South Alabama. South Alabama, I'm from North Alabama, okay? Let's get that straight. There's a big difference. Uh, Anyway, this is a beautiful day in South Alabama, and there was this guy named Sam and his wife. They were out for a drive. Uh, maybe, Maybe some of you have heard this story before. Uh, anyway, they were traveling, kind of just enjoying the, the fresh air, maybe some sunshine. Uh, soon they decided to make a stop for gasoline. They, they needed to get some gas, right? And so they stopped in Montgomery, Alabama. And after stopping for gas, Sam drove for over probably about five hours, I think, before he realized he left something behind. It was his wife. Uh, he drove for five hours and then realized his wife was not in the car with him. <laughs> hey, man. We all will space out sometimes, right? So Sam, at this point, you might imagine, is in a sticky situation. Uh, in a bad situation. Now, here's why it's even worse than you're imagining. There's no cell phone. Uh, and so there's no way to get in touch with her. There's no way for her to get in touch with him. So he, finds, he eventually pulls off the road, and I think he gets uh, a cop or someone. to guy got on a radio, smoke signal, whatever. Um, and basically relay a message that I'm on my way back. I'll see you in five hours. Uh, and so I want you to think about this. Like the very one who... Like, they'd been on the journey together. The very one that he had been on this road trip together with all along, his wife, um, he forgot. He forgot his wife for five hours. Uh, And, I mean, think about it. Like, he drove for hours before realizing that she wasn't there. There's no cell phone. There's no texting. There's no Snapchat. No way to get in touch. Uh, And so all she could do is wait is wait and hope. Like, he didn't do that on purpose. Like, he's going to come back, right? Like, did he leave me? Um, And so hope, he would return. And so, 
I don't know if you've ever forgotten something like that. Obviously nothing like that, but forgotten things. Uh, being forgotten, maybe some of you can remember as a kid, somebody leaving you at the grocery store. Um, that happened in my family a lot for some reason. Uh, so being forgotten, it's kind of funny. We laugh about it, and it is funny. Uh, but being forgotten is hard, actually. It's a really hard thing to be left behind, right? To be forgotten completely, especially when it's someone who loves you, right? I mean, they loved each other, but he forgot her. Um, and it's not just stories like this one, but what about stories, um, I'm sure many of you in your families have stories of like dementia, Alzheimer's, those kind of things, where literally people forget, and they forget their wife, they forget their husband, um, they forget their kids, they forget everything. I watched my uncle, I had an Uncle Earl, sounds like a TV show, but he's really uh, Uncle Earl. I watched my Uncle Earl slowly forget everyone. And I watched, him, I watched him forget. I used to go visit when he was eventually put in a facility. I watched him not remember who his wife was, my Aunt Becky. And my Aunt Becky is probably one of the most amazing women, one of the most amazing women I've ever known. And he had no clue who she was. And I saw that with my own eyes. And she adored him, uh, even until the very end of his life. It, it's just a beautiful thing. Um, feeling forgotten is just as bad, if not worse, than being forgotten, like you feel forgotten. Um, and this is probably the way Sarah feels in this passage. Uh, and so if some of you are new to the story of Abraham, just hang in there. You're eventually going to get some of the details, and you'll kind of know what's going on. Um, Sarah feels like that. She feels forgotten, if I had to guess. Like she's feeling like God has forgotten her. You know, and I, and I think if, if we're honest, many of us in this room, that's where we are. Uh, we, we feel forgotten. Um, the struggle that we face, the struggle that we wrestle with, like, God, has God forgotten me? You know, for whatever reason, we come to that place in our life where we feel as though God has forgotten us. Uh, and when we feel forgotten, if you talk to people that are kind of in this place in life, they will tell you it's really hard to believe when you feel forgotten. Uh, it's it's um, hard to hope when you feel forgotten. And so maybe some of you wouldn't say, I feel forgotten. I mean, I don't think God's forgotten me. But I know because I talked to many of you, you wonder if God will forget me. Will he forget me at some point? Maybe it's something I do, uh, maybe it's something I don't do, but will he forget me? And we just kind of have that going through the back of our mind. Well, wherever you are tonight, um, this passage I think is pretty helpful. Because in it, you're going to see God do two things. God remembers, uh, which is a big deal, uh, and God restores. And that's the two things we're going to focus on. God remembers, God restores. And so let's think about the first one, God remembers. It's been 10 chapters since God first made a promise to Abraham and Sarah. And as we saw over the course of 10 chapters, uh, that promise was that they would have a son. And through their offspring, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. Well, here we are in chapter 21, right? Uh, Sarah has been waiting 
25 years for God to fulfill his promise. She is 90 years old. She's 90. Abraham is 100. They still have no son, which is kind of bizarre to say out loud. Uh, there's still no son. Now I want you to think about that. I want you to go there and try to relate to her. Um, think about waiting 25 years. We're not good at waiting 25 seconds. None of us are. Uh, imagine 25 years. And I want you to think of the one thing you dream about. I want you to think of it, whatever it is. Don't say it out loud. I probably don't want to know. Um, the one thing you... Actually, I can probably imagine what a lot of you dream about. Um, anyway... Imagine whatever it is. You got it in your mind? Okay, so let's say God walks in and he says, hey, you know that thing you dream about? You're going to have it in 25 years. Okay? So think about this. Let's say, let's just throw out a couple examples. Um, Some of you really want to get married, right? Some of you are about to graduate probably and not married, not dating, and so really freaking out. Let's say God's like, hey, you're going to get married. In 25 years. No, that's not cool. Uh, Let's say some of you, you're not really thinking about marriage. You're thinking of, you've got like a career track. You have dreams. You are driven. You have a job that you daydream about. Right? And I know that that's some of you. Um, Let's say God walks in. He's like, hey, you know that that dream job? You're going to have it in 25 years. You just have to wait. And probably up until that point, you're going to have crappy jobs. Right? Like, up until you get married, you're going to be single. Not have a lot of awesome dates. You know what I'm saying? Like, this 25 years is going to suck. Okay? This is what I'm trying to get you to imagine here. 25 years, terrible. Okay, so she's been waiting. Right? But I also don't want you to forget what she did just one year before. So imagine the waiting. We don't like that. Well, just one year before what we just read in chapter 21, I think it was like back in chapter maybe 18 or 20, I can't remember. Um, Remember God came looking for her. It was 18. Uh, He came looking for her. He told her she was going to have a son. He told her that. And what did she do? She laughed at him. She, and this wasn't like a fun, like joyful laugh. This was a, a scoffing, like a laugh of disbelief. She laughed in his face. Um, and so chapter 21 is only one year past Sarah's greatest failure in life. It's been one year. Uh, God personally came to see her and she laughed in his face. And so I think it's safe to say after 25 years, she feels forgotten, right? Um, Thinks that God has forgotten her. And why wouldn't he forget her? She is a total failure. That's that's probably the way she feels. She's a total failure. Why wouldn't he forget me? Uh, And so I want you to look at verses 1 and 2. It's really amazing. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Here's the big idea. God remembered her. God remembers. Like he never forgot Sarah. 
He kept his promise. And when the Bible speaks about God's remembering, it's actually an important theme throughout the Bible, especially the Old Testament. It's pretty significant. Because if you think about it, God remembered. God doesn't forget anything, right? I mean, so to speak, like he can't. Um, I don't think, but we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, So anytime you see God remembering something in the Old Testament, especially, there's two things going on. Uh, One is God is taking action. Like when he remembers, he doesn't stay on the lazy boy. Like he gets up and he moves, right? And he takes action on another's behalf. The other thing that always is connected to God's remembering is when he remembers, he is in that moment advancing his plan of redemption, his grand plan of redemption. And this is exactly what we see here. Uh, God visits Sarah. He shows special interest in her and he keeps his promise. He remembers Sarah and he remembers you. He does not forget you, right? There's an amazing scene at the end of the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament uh, when Jesus is he's being executed, he's being crucified. You, you're probably familiar with the story. And Jesus is hanging on the cross between two criminals. And one of the criminals, it's a really amazing scene, one of the criminals admits his guilt right there on the spot. He admits his guilt, and then he says this to Jesus, and I'm going to quote him. He goes, Jesus... Remember me, remember me, when you come into your kingdom. I mean, think about that. Jesus, remember me, a criminal who has never done anything for you and will not because I'm about to breathe my last breath. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And, it's, and this is what Jesus says today to that criminal. Today, you will be with me in paradise. He's saying, I will remember you, actually. Um, And so if you've believed the gospel, like if at some point you've trusted in Jesus alone, he will never forget you, ever. Um, But you know what he does forget? He does forget things. This is fascinating. He does forget things. But God forgets things. The Bible tells us what God forgets. Your sin. That's some of the greatest news I've ever heard. I don't even believe that myself, even as I say it out loud. Um, God says, I, he literally, I'm quoting God here. I will not remember your sins. Isaiah 43, verse 25. And like, you need to hear that because you don't believe it. You think he will remember your sins. And at some point, he's going he's gonna to make you pay for them. Or you've got something that just hangs over your head, and you think he will not forget it. No matter how many times you have, ran, have run to Jesus, right? He will remember your sins. Uh, but he says he's, won't. he's not going to. But he will remember you. That's good news. Let's keep going. So God remembers, second thing, God restores. Another thing we see here is that um, is you see him restoring Sarah. Abraham and Sarah have a son. It's the child of promise. And they name him Isaac. And in this passage, God changed Sarah's laughter. Because if you remember a couple of chapters before this, she laughs in his face, laughs in disbelief. And God changes 
Sarah's laughter from disbelief to a laughter of joy. I mean, look at verse 6. She says, God has made laughter for me. I mean, there's a, this is like a joyful occasion. Like she's saying, he's changed my, my life. Like God restores her identity. God restores her joy. God restores everything in that moment. And so I think verses 6 and 7 show us so much. And we're going to talk about it in just a few minutes. This is good stuff. It's uh, so good. Uh, in fact, I think this whole passage, we learn so much about how God works uh, and how his grace restores us. Uh, and so I just want to highlight a few ways you see that here, a few ways that grace restores us. Um, I heard a pastor recently say, Americans love this passage. Americans love it. Uh, religious people love this passage. And here's how they would apply it. Here, and this is kind of why they love it. Um, they, it would go something like this. Don't give up. Don't stop believing. Have faith and believe, then your dreams will come true like Sarah's. Because nothing is impossible. I've, I've literally heard people say stuff like that. Uh, about this passage, other ones... Like Sarah, nothing is impossible. Well, the problem with that, the problem with all of what I just said, uh, is it's, it's all about me. It's all about me performing. Um, Sarah gave up on her dreams. Sarah did not believe. Did she not? Sarah didn't believe. The last time God visited her, and, and reminded her of a promise, actually gave her a very specific time, and one year this is going down, she laughs in his face. She failed miserably. And so the point of the story is that despite her unbelief, her sin, her failure, God kept his promise. Like, Sarah didn't deserve any of this, you know? Uh, but God loved her, and he came back for her. He came back. Despite all of that, um, she experienced in that moment this total failure. She experienced God's grace, and it changed her life dramatically. Um, and you see it here, and I'm going to highlight a few because we don't have time to cover them all. Um, and I want you to ask, I want you to just think about that question as we look through this. How, have you ever wondered, has God's grace changed you? Has it? Another way you could spin that is, what, like, how would I know I'm a Christian? Look at this passage helps. Let's, let's look at it. Uh, it'll help you process those questions. First thing, her son is named Isaac, which means he laughs. Now, this could be a reminder. I want you to think about that. This could be a reminder of her greatest failure. And so, I mean, like, every time she says his name, it could remind her of the time she laughed in God's face. Like, it could be a, like, think about it. His name could be a constant source of shame, but it isn't. That's not what you see here. Because God's grace is greater than our greatest sin, our greatest failure. One pastor said the shame of Sarah's past failure doesn't, quench her laughter. I think it's beautiful. Um, 
The shame of Sarah's past doesn't quench her laughter. Can you say that? Do you believe that? Like, does your greatest failure, whatever it is, uh, define you? Uh, Does your past have power over you? Um, Because when we experience God's grace, it frees you from your past. Um, Like your past is powerless next to God's grace. Like your failure doesn't define you. Um, And you need to hear me say that because we live... Um, like we don't believe that. We live in such a way where we think, man, we are so defined by our past. We are so defined by our failure. Um, But those things aren't greater than God's grace. Another thing, she's 90, because that's one thing that it changed. She's 90 and breastfeeding. That's just weird. Um, People will either be laughing at her or laughing with her in total amazement. Either way, she's going to be the talk of the town. You seen that 90-year-old breastfeeding? It's so gross. That's, a, that's what we'd all say. It's so weird. I wish she would leave. Um, she doesn't, like, and here's what's amazing. Like, she, whatever it is, like, they could be amazed, and everybody be like, oh my gosh, God's amazing. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Um, like, her past doesn't have power over her. And neither does what others say. Like, she doesn't need others' approval. She doesn't need others' acceptance to have meaning in life. Can the same be said for you? Can the same be said for me? Um, You know? Uh, Are you constantly worried about what others think? What they might think if they knew this one thing about you? Um, But see, what happens is God's grace comes in and changes everything. Like, it frees you from that because you have the only approval and acceptance that matters. And that's God's. Um, Last thing, actually, close to the last thing. Uh, Look at verse 7. God's grace makes Sarah wonder. I'm going to just read verse 7. And she said, Who would have said to Abraham... That Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in this old age. She was amazed. She was amazed by grace. Like it made her laugh. Like she couldn't believe it. She couldn't believe this. And one of the reasons she, it, was, it was just unbelievable to her and so amazing is because she knew she didn't deserve it. She didn't deserve any of this. Um, Ray Cortez is a, he's a, a pastor in Orlando, and he said that if you ask a religious person if they're a Christian, they will say, of course, of course, like duh. And, but he goes on to say, if you ask a Christian, someone who really gets the gospel, like really gets God's grace, if you ask that person if they're a Christian, they laugh. That's how they respond. And he goes on to say why. They laugh and wonder because who would have ever thought I would be a Christian? They get it, right? And it's crazy. Like they they don't take themselves seriously. Does that make sense? You have friends that take themselves seriously? People that take themselves too seriously, right? The gospel frees us from that stuff. 
And then the last thing that grace does is it leads to, and you see this, I almost forgot about this. Even if you look at my notes, I had to go back and handwrite it in because I just almost missed it. Obedience. Did y'all catch it? Sarah's not the only one in the story. Abraham's in the story. And the thing we see Abraham doing is just obeying. He does what God has commanded him to do. Grace leads us to obedience. Like, and it's not out of duty or obligation, but we, because we got something we don't deserve and we know that deep in our bones, we are compelled. We delight in following God. Like we delight in doing what he has asked us to do. See, it, it moves us from duty to delight. Does that, that's, that's unbelievable. Like grace compels you to obey. A lot of times Christians aren't good at obeying us because they, they don't get grace. They don't get the gospel. Um, Abraham obeyed. <clears throat> so anyway, I hope that's helpful. As you think about, like, where am I Christian? Do I get the gospel of grace? I mean, ask yourself those kind of questions. Like, man, do, do what people think have a lot of power over me? Am I totally um, just under this just weight of shame over my past and I just cannot be free from it? Do I obey? Do I actually care at all about doing what God has asked me to do? And if I do, is it out of duty and obligation? I'm really just mad about doing it. There's no joy or delight. Ask yourself those kind of questions. Uh, because it'll really give you some insight to whether or not you get the gospel. Um, and for some of you, you may actually realize you're not a Christian. Um, that happens. Uh, and for some of you, you might realize, oh my gosh, I've never understood grace until this moment. It's beautiful. Right? Um, Taylor Swift. Let's talk about Taylor Swift for a second. She's going to pull this thing together. Uh, the pop star. T-Swift is a phenomenon. Uh, now, the thing you've got to know about Taylor Swift is she's won a lot of awards. In fact, I looked this up because I was curious. About 300. I don't even know that that's possible. She's won about 300 awards. I think she just got Grammy for Album of the Year. Anybody know that, right? Anyway, here's why she's a phenomenon, and it's none of those reasons. Because I know all the words to her songs. I know them all. I like every song she comes out with. And somehow I magically know the words after the first time I hear the song. And I don't even think it's weird when I'm driving on the road and I'm singing about some boy she's got a thing for. Like, it doesn't even matter to me. I'm just in it. I'm just like feeling that jam. I mean, every lyric, I know. It's weird, guys. And I don't like it. But I can't control it. It's so powerful. And so that's why she's a phenomenon. I know, it's crazy. It's crazy. Hear this song one time, boom, it's locked in. Recently, she came out with a song. It's actually one of Brandon's favorites. He and I, one time, Brandon and I stayed in a car to finish listening to this song. <laughs> Confession, and see, my, my identity's in Jesus, and so I don't care what you think. Um, we did. We, we liked songs too good, and we were just jamming. Windows up, two dudes listening to Taylor Swift. So recently, she came out with a song called Wildest Dreams. Yes, it's a song. Now, here's the thing. We like the song, but it's a song about a doomed relationship. Um, it's a song about love that will end, right? Uh, and, and it's amazing. I was thinking about this passage and God remembering, because there's a line in that song, there's a line that's repeated four times, and it's this, 
say you'll remember me. Say you'll remember me, even if it's in your wildest dreams. Say you'll remember me. Like, we, we want to be remembered. That's the thing Taylor's getting at. Like, we, she's tapped into our humanity. Like, we want to be remembered. Like, we want love that lasts forever, but we don't really believe it exists, and so we settle for some counterfeit love over the weekend. Which is, I think, what she did in that song. Um, you know? And so, we want to be remembered. We want love that lasts forever. And God is the only one who can do that. And you, many of you have and will again and again run after counterfeit loves. Because you think and you believe they're empty promises. But he's the only one. Like, God remembers you. God makes you laugh. And there is no clearer picture of this than Jesus. Like, Jesus wants you to laugh with him. Like, Sarah's laughing here. He wants you to laugh with him for eternity. And to do that, he had to give up his laughter. Like, he had to lose his joy so that you could have it. Like, think about this. Jesus stopped laughing and suffered instead. So you and I, so that we can what? So that we can laugh. The laughter of grace. The laughter of joy. And so we can do it with him forever. Does, does that truth change your life? Because it can. It can tonight. Let's pray. Uh, God, you're so good to us. Thank you for this passage. Thank you for the reminder that um, you love us no matter what. Uh, I pray that by your spirit, you would stir our hearts. Um, Lead us to faith and repentance, I pray in your name. Amen.